All right, everyone, welcome to Finance in a Flash. This week, we talk about what we think about when we are doing a retirement projection. For example, someone walks in our office or someone says to you, Aaron, hello, sorry to introduce you yet, but <laughs> I want to prepare for retirement. I want to retire. I, you know, I want you to get me there. So throughout this episode, I'm going to have you kind of talk me through or kind of talk our audience through how we get to this statement towards the end where we run the projections of, okay, we believe you can retire at this point. And we're going to kind of go through certain topics and hit points throughout the way. Bottom line, I think this is a very good and informative episode. I hope everyone enjoys it. Again, this is Finance in a Flash. Let's go. Aaron Campbell, I want to retire. What is the first thing that we should do? Yeah, we get this question a lot. Um, so a lot of people call me up and say, hey, I just want a once over. You know, can you look at this and, and think about it? And I always say, gosh, the, the decision to retire, number one, is irrevocable, right? I mean, once you kind of say, I'm, I'm leaving I'm leaving work, they're, they're typically not going to take you back. And there's just a lot that goes into thinking about those projections. So um, I know for us, we start out a lot with the assumptions around income and expenses because that's an easy place to start. But we, you know, we need to get numbers on social security, numbers on potential pensions, um, you know, what the assets are that you kind of have saved and then what kind of accounts you have. Do you have Ross? Do you have IRAs? Do you have personal brokerage account? Do you have, you know, money in cash and money market, that sort of thing. But then we also have to kind of understand what, um, what your expenses are. You know, your current expenses tend to be pretty much the same as in retirement. Um, you know, you see people will, you know, not, uh, not contribute to their 401ks and maybe their taxes are different. But for the most part, I think people are going to tend to spend about the same amount they spend now. And I want to assume that they will, you know, have the same lifestyle going into retirement. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point there. Um, at the beginning, a lot of people, you know, we get phone calls or emails or inquiries of, you know, I want to, can you just glance over my retirement plan? Or can you just give me a, a one-off of, you know, just do this retirement plan for me and then like that'll be it. But that's that's not really how it works. No, definitely not. <laughs> There's a lot of, <laughs> lot of work that goes yeah, into exactly. many, many, many hours. Yeah, and that's, sure. you know, one of the you know, main reasons we wanted to do this episode, just to kind of go through the the large scale planning that it does take to make that decision. It's not just, just give me a little, just give me a little quick look real quick. Uh, It's not that at all. So now that you say, you know, we have those assumptions, how do we think about inflation? So as it pertains to the dollar, living expenses, college education, you know, the, in the medical field, they're through the roof right now. So how can we plan that through retirement? Yeah, I mean, that's why I think getting the baseline expenses is so important, because then what we'll tend to do is inflation adjust all those expenses forward. Um, I tend to use, you know, what the inflation rate historically has been. And then, you know, with medical, I'll tend to go a little bit higher, four or five percent and college four or five percent, usually sometimes even six percent um, thinking about that, because those those rates are tending to go up a little higher than, say, just, you know, normal living expenses. But we, we take those baseline numbers and then we kind of inflation adjust everything forward. Um, and it's amazing how, you know, 
you know, $50,000 a year in today's dollars is $100,000, you know, 20, 30 years from now. So um, I made that number up, but you can definitely see as things kind of go up that, that things tend to rise. And it's, it's hard to believe that, oh, I only spend $50,000 a year and that's a lot more, you know, at some point yeah. in the future. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. And as a, and continue on that path, like as it relates to kind of rates, when we talk about someone's investments, you know, that's a huge piece to someone's retirement plan, the investments that they have. I hear a lot of people, you know, my job at firm portfolio administrator slash podcast host, I guess now, um, <laughs> kind of, you know, I hear all the time, well, you know, well, I just, you know, what do we have at, you know, 10% for the next 30 years or 10% for the next 10 years? Or, you know, even my friends would say, well, anyone can get 12% over the next so-and-so. That's what Jim Cramer said on Mad Money. Like, I don't understand why, you know, but that's not, that's not how it works. You know, we're not every single person's a hundred percent invested in the 500 biggest stocks in the U S economy. You know, it's, you know, not, that's not how it's based out. And when we, tend to look at rate of return on investments as we build it in a retirement plan. How do you look, how do you look at that or what's your mindset going into that? Yeah. I mean, most of our clients tend to not <laughs> be invested hundred yeah, percent in stocks, exactly. um, more balanced portfolio, I'd say as a whole. So um, I tend to use a lower, I, I'll look at what's in, in their accounts and kind of what their risk profile is a little bit, kind of know them, uh, kind of how they might be invested in the future. But I'll tend to use a, a much lower number. And honestly, that's to be conservative. Um, I don't want to say, you know, we're going to rock out 12% returns and therefore you can retire at age 50 and then, oh, 12% didn't happen. And now you're 52 and, you know, you don't have a job and, yep. and things don't look so rosy. So I'll tend to be a bit conservative on the rate of return assumptions. Um, the, the real important thing is the difference between, you know, the rate of return on the investments and then that inflation rate. So let's just say, for example, I might use two and a half for inflation and five and a half for, um, you know, the rate of return. So that 3% difference is really what we're concerned about because yeah. we don't really know what inflation is going to do going forward. And we don't know what the stock market's going to do going forward. Yep, so, exactly. you know, just trying to get a little bit of growth, um, depending on how they're invested, but you know, a little bit of growth there might be what I'll kind of put in there and, and hope, hope that things turn out rosy. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've seen, you do a lot of meetings where we go through the retirement projection and the um, investment, the projected investment returns. And they are, you know, on average, very low from what the average person might would think they would be, Um, which is just due to the fact we want to be conservative, like you said, and not necessarily say or assume that, yeah, we're going to get seven, eight, nine, 10% annualized for the next 30 years before you retire and then base you off of that. Because then, like you said, your cash flow, expenses, everything's going to be based off of that number. But then if we don't hit that, you know, we're kind of screwed to put it. Yeah, you know. exactly. So, and, yeah. and that's made a big difference this year, honestly, because a lot of people were concerned, oh, you know, the markets were down earlier this year. And then we'd go in and look at the retirement plan. And, and honestly, for a lot of people, it didn't change it a whole heck of a lot. Yep. Um, and so that made them feel pretty good. Oh, okay. Cause you kind of embedded in some negative returns in there. If you're, if you're kind of over the 30 year average, choosing a, a lower number. Yep. And it's, you know, I would definitely side on the, the position of let's I'm not too mad if we have a little bit more money when we retire due to in, investment returns <laughs> and kind of overestimating that and be like, uh, I thought you said I was going to have a little bit more money than this. Right. I'd rather I'd rather, you know, expect a lot less and, and have more than the other way around. Yep, exactly. Um, it's kind of 
kind of how I feel about Carolina football team sometimes. <laughs> Ex- expectations low. When we succeed, then we get excited. Exactly. I feel the same way. Yeah. Okay. So um, now we're going to, ha- I guess, kind of change the topic a little bit. What happens when we have different scenarios that pop up in retirement? Let's say, you know, um, I want to retire two years early. I want to retire two years later. I now have more grandkids and I want to leave them more money than I thought. Um, I want to travel more. How, you know, these, and I think that's why it's so important to have an ongoing relationship with the uh, client and a an advisor because you things never change just things never stay the same. I mean they don't especially you know when you're gearing up to retire and, and anything can happen and when those things happen that glance over that one time plan does you no good at all. So That's when right. these things pop up, how how can we prepare for that maybe before and then once they do pop up, how do we react? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is once we've kind of got the baseline, you know, retirement projection together, then it's pretty easy to go in and make little adjustments here and there. What happens if I retire earlier? You know, what happens if I decide I want to spend more each year or travel more each year or buy a second home? Or uh, we see this all the time, sell my house, uh, downsize to a different house. There's all kinds of decisions along the way that, you know, from that moment I've met you, you might not even completely know. I mean, I, I think that's another thing that's, that a lot of people are reevaluating this year is kind of what their goals are because I think COVID and everything else yeah. has made people think, oh, like maybe I do want to have a beach house. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely have seen an increase in, yes. in that happening. Um, or maybe, you know, maybe I'm you know, not going to travel this year or next year, but after that I really want to make sure that I travel, you know, three times a year versus just the once because then I'm having to make up for time. So, I think that's important to have the ability to kind of change those up and feel comfortable with making those decisions. And I think that's the importance, like you said, of having an ongoing advisor who can kind of walk you through all that stuff, make you feel good about pulling the trigger and and, and making some of those decisions. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a great point. And, you know, we keep on using this year as an example, but I think that should be an example because literally, you know, anything can happen and it's important yeah. to be flexible and really do it on the fly. Um, which is, you know, a lot of times potentially may happen in meetings or conversations with clients for sure. Exactly. Um, so now we, you know, we've kind of talked about different scenarios that may pop up that are going to alter this plan. What are some, you know, pitfall scenarios that may happen that can really put, can really tank if you're not, you know, if you're not covered or if you're not prepared for this can really tank your retirement plan. Yeah. That's something we spend a lot of time on in the beginning, but uh, I think it's something that we revisit every couple of years. And sometimes it's, you know, extended medical expenses or like going to a nursing home. So long-term care types of expenses Um, for that, we might look at, you know, does self-insuring or long-term care insurance make sense? Um, some other things that we might look at would be, you know, what happens if one spouse passes away, um, especially if they've got a pension, you know, what does it look like for the surviving spouse? Um, one that we've looked at quite a bit for people is, you know, I think I might want to move into, you know, a continuing care retirement community. Um, what does that look like if the monthly expenses are higher maybe than what we're paying now, but, and maybe there's a cost to get in, you know, but, but then maybe some of my nursing care is taken care of. So there's a lot of little things that, that people, um, 
can both plan for, but there's also things that, you know, we kind of need to just measure and see, can you, can you, can your retirement plan survive, you know, one spouse passing away or an extended medical um, experience? Yeah. And I think that's, you know, you've said it before, but that's, you know, why it's so important to have all this information and kind of the assumptions and, you know, everything laid out at first. So, we can prepare for these situations when they happen. I mean, I would say when they happen, I mean, there's, you know, one spouse always dies before, or not always, but most of them dies before the other. And we have to be prepared for when that happens, or you got to be moved to a nursing home facility, which, you know, having, you know, grandparents nearing that stage in their life, those things are not, ex- not cheap. They're very, you know, no. very expensive. Right. And so if that's something you don't prepare for it at first, I can really, really, really tank your plan at, at, yeah. at the end at the really end of your life when is the worst time <laughs> for your plan yeah. to be tanked. And most people don't want to be a burden on their family, you know? So yeah. you want your money to outlast, you know, all of your financial goals and get you all the way to the end so that you're not a burden on your family. And then if you, you know, if you find out, Hey, this could be an issue, you can either plan for it. You can talk to your family about it. There's lots of different things you can do to kind of prepare everybody for those circumstances. Yeah. Perfect. Um, and so as as we wrap up here, you know, we've talked about assumptions, the inflation, rates of returns on investments, pop-up scenarios, pitfall scenarios. So we have all this information, everything lined out. We run the plan. It says I can retire. So that means that's it, right? I'm done 100%. I can retire. <laughs> I'm retiring at 24 years old. I'm done. 100%. Yeah, no. And here's the thing. I, I know right away when we run a plan, especially, you know, the base plan, it is not going to be close to, you know, it can give us an idea, but it's definitely not 100%. I mean, there's so many things that constantly come up or constantly change and goals change and, you know, scenarios change. Um, and so you just got to kind of understand that these things have to be updated. And for us, I think what we'll tend to do is run, you know, what we call what they call a Monte Carlo analysis, which is just looking at probabilities. I mean, honestly, it's like, hey, you've got a 95 percent probability that if you retire at 60, things are going to look pretty good, um, you know, or, you know, a 50 percent probability. And then if you can measure those probabilities, then at least it can give you some sense of, OK, what are the things that I can control in there? And there's some things you're not going to be able to control. You're yeah. not going to be able to control investment markets or inflation rates, but you can control your expenses. And so we try to put the focus, you know, on what you can control and then, you know, make the choice, you know, is this a good time to retire? Is this a good time to make these decisions? If not, then, you know, maybe work a few years longer just so that you'll feel comfortable that your probability is higher and things look, look a lot better. Yeah. And I think that you brought up cash flow again. We did a earlier episode, um, on cash flow that I would encourage everyone to go back and look at because, you know, that I think you've told me or you've said that is the single most important thing when looking at retirement because you can, you 100% can control your cash flow. Whereas most yep. of these things you cannot control. No, definitely not. And so, yeah, yeah. Those, those the things you can control, it can make you feel like, okay, I, I can control this part and I feel great about this decision. And that's at the end of the day, that's what I want. I want um, our clients to feel good about their decisions, you know, their decisions to both retire, but also, you know, to leave a legacy or pay for their grandkids' education or whatever it is. I want them to feel good about um, about those decisions. Yep. Awesome. Well, I think that was, you know, a great conversation on what we look at in, you know, retirement, projecting retirement and questions people may have and just really all the things that go into that because it's so much more than, yeah, just, Aaron, just quick glance over, please. The (laughs) biggest decision of my life, just a little quick, just once over. 
which yeah. people listening, we get that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> take your time, please. Yeah, you definitely need to take some time and, and look at it and I and feel good about it. That's that's the biggest thing. Yeah, awesome. Well, Aaron, thank you so much again. Um, anything, any closing remarks or? Nope. I think I think we've covered it all. I think we did a great job of of covering everything. I think that goes into those retirement projections. So it's a good time to call call an advisor and, and get these things on the books so that you can feel good about all your different decisions. Yep. Exactly. All right, Aaron. Well, thanks for joining us. And again, this is Finance in the Flash.